Hello and welcome to Thoughts and Hoops with me, Laura Bradburn. I am delighted to be joining you again today. Um, a lot to discuss, a lot of big news at Celtic this season, or this week I should say, uh, particularly with that of Joe Hart. We're going to talk a little bit about, obviously, the result against Kilmarnock last week. We're going to talk a little bit about where that leaves us in the table, obviously, how that affects the rest of our season and... Um, yeah, we're just going to get into it a little bit um, and cover the news for Celtic this week. Um, so thank you for joining me on the show, obviously. Um, if you could like and subscribe to the video, to the channel, um, that would be most appreciated. Um, I'm going to explain a little bit before we go into things about why there's not been as much content on the channel this week um, before we get into the news. So as... Some of you who watch my stuff regularly will know I do the, the podcast on a Friday night and then I repurpose the clips across TikTok, um, YouTube shorts and uh, on the on the main video feed of the channel. And I, and I do that just to give people bite-sized clips of, of what the longer show is about. Um, and I've got to say, the, the, Friday, the Friday night slot is... One that I picked very deliberately, but one that also kind of comes back to bite you in the backside sometimes because the way of the football week, you're obviously covering a lot of news at the end of the week that, that other people have covered already. You are in a position where the outlook on the week and the season in general can change as a result of the, the, of the result that's going to come within a matter of days of you doing, of you doing the podcast. And, yeah, I think with the result against Kilmarnock, which was the one each draw at Celtic Park, I just found myself thinking a lot of the stuff I said in the podcast last week is already kind of irrelevant, if you want to put it that way. I mean, <laughs> some people might argue that a lot of the stuff I say in general is irrelevant, and I, <laughs> I get that, but <coughs> um, it's just... Yeah, I just found myself in a bit of a position where I was kind of going, I don't know if this is going to... Um, if this is going to be uh, particularly relevant to the ongoing discussions that we're having at the moment. So um, with that in mind, I thought I'm just going to leave things be. I'm going to come back to the channel uh, with the new podcast on Friday and I'm going to give my thoughts on, on, on the season as we find it. So as we all know, um, Celtic drew one each. Um, with Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock, I think, have already beaten us twice uh, this season and then took points off us again at um, Celtic Park and have become a bit of a bogey side for us. Um, but as you can see, and I'll just pull it up here, um, we are now two points behind Rangers, uh, all up to speed with games in hand, Goal difference, we're not even ahead of them anymore. And, okay, people might say the league is not done. And it isn't. I think we've got some like, 13 matches to go or something like that, 12 matches to go. Um, But the big thing that people are talking about at the moment is momentum. Now, I looked back at the some of the news stories from during the during January and during that time period. And um, we were 
I think eight points clear at the beginning of January. So, you know, you're talking about, or what, eight weeks down the line now, and there's been this, if we were eight points ahead at that point, two points behind, simple maths tells you that's a ten-point swing. And the problem with that is there's momentum on the side of Rangers. There is momentum on the side of Rangers. They got a, a, a 3-0 victory against St Johnston. Okay, they got two penalties. Some might argue they got two penalties because we got two penalties the other day. Um, but we just we just don't look like a side who are in belief that even if we've slipped up, if you want to put it that way, that... Um, that the momentum is going to shift back in our direction. And what really annoys me about it is, um, I saw a few people say uh, various things to me on Twitter and I sort of said, well, it's not about... Obviously, we always want to win, but it's not about expecting to win or being entitled to win uh, and the entitlement that you think might come with that. And I'll, I'll touch on Brendan and, and Neil's little conversation from a couple of weeks ago, now that that's in sharp focus for everybody. But it's not about that entitlement. It's about knowing that from the position you were in previously to the position you're in now, there's been a drop-off that could have been avoided that has been allowed to happen because um, of the negligence of the board, of the negligence of the recruitment team, of the negligence of some of the, the, the coaching staff. All of that could have been avoided and we're not even losing the league at the moment to a particularly good Rangers side. Now, you can say what you want, and we all have, about the nature in which the old Rangers got their their league wins. They did it by nefarious means. They got players they should never have been able to afford, all that kind of stuff. And and that that aside, you lost the league because they had a fantastic team. A team they should never have been able to afford, but a fantastic team nonetheless. And as long as they do it by means that are legal and just, you can't, sometimes you have to hold your hands up and say, we lost this league to a better team. If we lose this league this season, we are not losing this league to a better team. We are losing it because of our own failings, not because of the failings of range, uh, not because of the failings of anybody else but ourselves and certainly not because of the good uh, the the exceptional nature of Rangers to put it that way I mean you're talking about looking at that um we've drawn three matches they've drawn zero those points that we have lost we've lost points against Hearts we've lost points against Motherwell I think we've lost points against Kilmarnock obviously all teams that we should be beating and 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 the thing that, that frustrates me, we will go on to talk about it a little bit more uh, as the as the show progresses. But we're going up against a, a, a Motherwell side who, yes, they're ninth, but they are playing relatively well at the moment. And and we need to watch that we don't um we don't slip up again. We're going to Fur Park, which has been a bogey ground for us before. We all remember uh, Helicopter Sunday and what Scott McDonald did to us that day. Motherwell could potentially cause another banana skin, if you want to put it that way, and Rangers could go further ahead and suddenly the, the this point swing is even further apart than it is. But, but yeah, that's what frustrates me most about the current situation. The people sort of saying, oh, you're being entitled, you can't win a treble every season, you can't do this. We're not asking for a treble every season. Far from it. We're asking for... Decent performances in Europe 
and a squad of players that is built upon and not allowed to rot just because the gap between us and the other teams is getting too big. Because if you ask me my most cynical point of view on the whole matter, it's that I think uh, the board are kind of happy to let the opposition catch up on us because they know that it's good for business. And ultimately, that's what matters to, to these people. It's good for business if there's a, a rivalry going on in Glasgow. Um, it's good for business if there's such a thing as an old firm, whether you want to call it an old firm or a Glasgow derby or whatever you call it. That is my kind of take on the situation in which we find ourselves. We'll look at the Motherwell game towards the end of the podcast and we'll talk about ways in which I think we might be able to um, resolve some of those issues to... Um, get the momentum back in our favour one of those ways just quickly to add on it is I still don't think Rangers have the beating of us in those one-off matches and possibly that's what's going to save our season but we will talk about that um that's that's my kind of roundup of the last week or so and the and the debates that have been going on um uh, about the current situation but before we go into anything else I wanted to talk a little bit po- more about something more, not positive, but something that allows me to heap praise on a player that I think deserves it. So, um, Joe Hart uh, announced on Thursday, around one o'clock, this is the Celtic website, that um, unfortunately he will be retiring at the end of the season. Now, um, I'll go into a little bit of my thoughts on Joe Hart in a second, but I just wanted to read out a little bit about what the manager had to say and what Joe had to say. So, Celtic manager Brendan Rodgers said, Joe has enjoyed a phenomenal career and I know he'll be a huge miss to the game when he finally retires from playing football in the summer. For all he has done in football, Joe deserves huge praise and congratulations. He's been such a brilliant asset to Celtic and of course the wider game at the higher levels domestically and internationally. But more than that, he's a tremendous man. Just brilliant to work with. Someone who I know has has been a great teammate so many throughout his career and a player who never gives anything but his absolute best each and every day. His work ethic is an example to all working in football. Well, it'd be a real loss on the pitch, I know he'll stay in football in some form. So I'm not going to read out the the rest of that that comment, but, uh, you know, I think Brendan is fair in what he says there in terms of, uh, you know, he's... (laughs) He's making sure that uh, that everybody's aware of, of what he thinks of, of, of Joe Hart, and I think that's fair. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of Joe Hart coming in at the start. I, I don't shy away from that because opinions are about opinions, and, and I have strong opinions on things, and I felt that Joe Hart coming in I had seen enough of him to suggest that I wasn't a huge fan of the way he conducted himself, let's put it that way. Um, I, I, I thought he came across quite arrogant and quite um, sure of himself, even when he shouldn't have been. And um, I'm not going to lie, I, I took a little bit of enjoyment out of the way in which... And I hate to say it because it makes me sound really, really bad, but I took a little bit of enjoyment out of the way in which Pep sort of said, no, you're not for me, and he kind of found himself... Um, out in the football and wilderness and I think I thought that'll humble him a bit that'll do this and that'll do that 
not a particularly nice way to think, but certainly one that I did, certainly a way that I did think. Um, but when he did come in, it's absolutely clear that we definitely needed a, a goalkeeper. We had Vasilis Barkas. I don't need to go into any great detail here on what kind of player he was. Um, he has since come out himself and said um, that he didn't enjoy him to his time at Celtic. I, I think he was a bit harsh in what he said about the reasons for that and the people who may or may not have been to blame. I think I think we can all agree that um, that COVID and um, the world in general was a little bit all over the place and. I was always willing to give Vasilis Barkas the benefit of the doubt that um, it was hard to exist around that time, never mind to move to a foreign country and to try and settle in with a new a new um, culture and, and, and do all that kind of stuff. So I, I was never... Um, I was never wanting to be too harsh on him, but regardless, we, we were kind of stuck as far as a goalkeeper was concerned. We had no... No confidence in who we had in, in Barkas or Scott Bain. And it really, for anybody who hadn't already been aware of it, it really became clear that um, a lot of confidence and throughout the team in general that comes through having confidence in your goalkeeper. And Joe Hart joined us and within very short shrift, I remember I was at the Jablonic game, which I think was one of his first games. Um, I was at the one at Celtic Park where he made a couple of big saves and okay, they weren't a, a very f uh, foreboding opponent, but given the lack of confidence we'd have in the previous incumbent between the six, Joe Hart absolutely, you know, restored that confidence. And he went on to um, win a, a, a fantastic amount of trophies for us. You know, everybody says Celtic fans take these for granted. I don't. Look at that. Two Scottish Premiership titles... Um, a treble in one of those seasons and another double in one of those other seasons. So that's um, that's fantastic. Like to come in and, and and have that kind of impact in short shrift, to have provided the solid base on which Antipostikoglu could build these teams, to provide a solid base for Brendan to come in and supposedly build his team, although that hasn't gone on to be the case. He's absolutely um deserves all the praise that he gets. Look at his other um plaudits there as well. You've got Premier two Premier League titles, uh an FA Cup, two football league cups, you've got a, a European under twenty one championship, Premier League Golden Glove four times. You know, we're talking about a guy who if you're completely honest probably Probably is too good of a goalkeeper to have been at Celtic, but you know we 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 got him and we made the most of having him and um and I for one had my opinion of him totally changed not just because of his um on the field stuff, but because of his off the field stuff as well. The the way that he interacted with fans far too often we have seen players act as though interacting with fans is an inconvenience. And I get sometimes fans can act a little bit entitled in terms of how they um, try and interact with players and stuff like that. And I understand that not always can we get the interaction out of a player that we want. 
but so often we've seen Joe Hart interact with fans and appear to get the meaning of what it means to be a Celtic player and how to represent the club correctly. And I bang on about that, much to people's annoyance a lot of the time, I bang on about the fact that uh, I, I think it's as important, if not more important, to be a good person if you want to represent Celtic Football Club for me. I mean, it's a difficult thing to be saying now when I'm not happy with the way the team's playing, but um, I certainly... I certainly want to see players appreciate the position that they're in. And Joe Hart appreciates the position he's in, and I appreciate that about him. Um, this was quite a nice article as well that I saw from Paddy Sinnott of my former parish, Axom, also a formidable um, outputter of content on uh, platforms like The Boot Room, um, on 67 Hill Hill, as you can see here. And he ran through some of the tributes from other players. Um, uh, you've got Stephen Welsh. How much uh, value you place on that at the moment is up to you. Um, uh, Juranovic, obviously. Um, top class, says Raheem Sterling. All the best for the next chapter show from the official England um, account. Uh, you are the man, says Greg Taylor. John Gadetti, weird one. You'd think, what have they got to do with each other? But they were obviously at Man City together. So he says, legend, Casper Schmeichel, what a goalkeeper, what a career, even better guy. You cannot um, say that somebody doesn't deserve plaudits when a guy like Casper Schmeichel, with all that he's achieved in the game, is acknowledging his uh, his input. And, and Juranovic obviously really likes him because he's uh, left two messages. <laughs> Unless that's just the way it's scrolled down. But... He really does. Um, he really does obviously have a good standing in the game, and it's good to see people coming out and giving somebody their flowers before they even get a chance to 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 stop and smell the roses. So I really, um, I really appreciate that he's getting that that appreciation from from fellow um, professionals, and I and and he absolutely deserves it. So. Fantastic, Joe. Um, thank you for everything. Here's hoping that the rest of this season is uh, as successful as your previous seasons at Celtic have been and we can send you off with at least one trophy, the most important one, but at least one trophy. So that's my um, that's my thoughts on Joe Hart and I really do wish him well. The next topic I want to talk about is, is a little bit of a strange reaction to... Um, some news that Celtic shared uh, just yesterday or the day before, I think. Anyway, I'm going to pull it up here. Um, so this was on their official um, Twitter account and has actually become their pinned tweet now. Uh, you can go on and watch the video. Um, they announced the ongoing works uh, for the development at Battlefield. If you're not aware, um, they are redeveloping Battlefield, which is the ex-training ground of the main squad um but is now the um uh I, I actually don't know how much it was getting used in between but it's certainly uh been used to some extent but they are redeveloping it with pitches and as you can see in the video there a, a kind of state-of-the-art training facility um and it's going to be home to the the academy boys and girls and uh the, the women's team as well now 
I th- I looked at this and I thought, that's brilliant. The club is doing what we all want them to do. They are modernising in the way we want them to modernise. They are, you know, bringing us the world-class facilities that they bang on about that we claim they don't provide. They are making a f- solid foundation for the academy. Especially if you're if your main interest is the men's team, um, they're making a strong uh, foundation for the academy uh, to hopefully provide players of the ilk of, of James Forrest, of Callum McGregor, of Kieran Tierney, and players like that going forward. So I I, I thought on a rare occasion on Twitter, this will be one of those times where uh, Celtic fans in general will not have an issue with with this news. But if you go and look at the comments underneath, it's probably my own fault for doing so, but I don't want to bring them up on screen, but um, some people talking about, is this anything to do with the interim results that are out and the financials that were coming out? Um, Somebody saying, same dreadful coaching staff, same failure to find a decent opposition for the youth players. Uh, positive news, but a pity we never in- invested in any decent players to train at it, blah, blah, blah. You can get the picture. You can get the picture. And I just thought, I've been as critical in recent times as anybody. But I sometimes think that we need to stop and just go, can we not just take good news on face value can we not just say okay I'm not happy with the way the team's performing at the moment I'm not happy with the way that we are performing in the league I think there's major changes that need to be made but in isolation this piece of news cannot be criticised and is a good piece of news that is my opinion on it I think it's fantastic for the club I think it's fantastic for the future of the club I think it gives an impression of a club that is looking to future-proof what is going to be available to young players, to female players, to players of of all age groups going forward, and that can only stand the club in good stead for the future. But it's hard to be that enthusiastic about it when you've got people sort of constantly being down on it because of results in the pitch. And I know results in the pitch are the most important thing. But if you announced this last season while Ange Postacoglu is still manager, nobody says a word. Because of the couple of bad results, everybody thinks everything that's going to come out from the club is bad news. And I saw a couple of people respond to me saying, well, it's the timing of it, it's the timing of it. We all know the club aren't in total control of how and when they release these, these news items. It's all... Celtic are on the stock market. It's all to do with affecting share price and and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, you can be frustrated at that, but that's the way of the modern world these days. That's the way of how the club works. And yes, it's frustrating that we're not getting some of the results that we want, but we can't be down on them all the time for something that is inherently a good thing. I mean, I don't know if you, if any of you get anything that you want to say in the comments about that, um, but I certainly don't feel that you can be down on them for absolutely everything. 
when there is something that is an inherently positive thing to celebrate. And I say that as somebody who criticises Celtic so much. I'm constantly talking about Celtic, whether it's online, whether it's to my family, to my friends. I have I frustrate people no end with the amount I talk about Celtic. But you cannot constantly be just down on them when the two things aren't really linked, to be honest. They're not. <coughs> and I just think, let the individual, praise the individual thing for what it is. It's a good thing. And it doesn't negate the concerns that we all have about the club. It doesn't. But, uh, yeah, that that's my thoughts on that. That's my thoughts on that. <coughs> so, um... We've talked about all of that and we've talked about um we've talked about Joe Hart, we've talked about the training uh, facilities and 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 all that kind of stuff. One other thing I wanted to talk about was um Lewis Palmer. Now I understand that he's probably he's not Jota, right? He isn't. We all know that. But uh he has been coming in for a lot of flack recently. Some of it justified, some of it not so much. Um, and I wanted to just bring up this, another uh, article by 67 Hail Hail. I think you can tell who my favourite um, uh, my favourite outlets are. John Hughes has been using a lot of praise recently. Um, and he actually labelled Lewis Palmer as a magician. Says... Talking about the Celtic playing style, he says, John said that Brendan Rodgers, he'll want to keep them playing from the back. When you're playing against these low blocks, you need to be in the protagonist and build from the back. It's not easy. I watched Man City the other night and they found it difficult against Brentford. You see them passing it back and forth, back to the keeper. There's the method behind this, but sometimes it takes a bit of bravery to make the killer pass when it's on. When confidence is a bit low, uh, then there's always temptation to um, take the safe option. But Brendan's uh, telling them to be brave. You need to pick those passes and allow the magicians uh, in the side. Guys like Matt O'Reilly, Kyogo and Lewis Palma uh, to get teams at the other end. Hughes labelling Palma as a magician may raise a few eyebrows amongst the Celtic sport. The £3.5 million winger has shown that he can be a threat um, in the hoops, but the, his form has rapidly declined as of late. Now, I get that he can be frustrating, but if you if you ask my honest opinion on the frustration that is Lewis Palmer, the frustration is in a lot of ways around what we know he's capable of. And I think that's a major frustration. I think we know he's capable of so much more than he's often um shown. And I think I think he knows that or I think we know that he is um capable of of potentially changing games for us he has done it already um and I think we need to accept and appreciate where he's at so I wanted to show some um stats here he this is Lewis Palmer's fault mob stats it's a site that I really like to use but if you look at this this is a a a, a graphical representation of his ability in certain areas compared to other similar players in his position. 
He's in the 99th percentile for chances created and for touches on the ball. And he's in 97th percentile for shots attempted at goal. He's in the 82nd percentile for goals. He scored five goals and got nine assists in 21 appearances for Celtic this season. And I think that that needs to be uh, appreciated for what it is. The amount of praise that somebody like Dyson Maida gets, and I know everybody's going to say the big klaxon's going off with Laura talking about Dyson Maida. The, the praise he gets, considering he's playing in the same position, no, he's not exactly the type of player, but he's in the same position either in place of Palma or in the opposite end of the park sometimes. He's got something like three assists and two goals and he's played a lot more matches than Palma. You cannot... You cannot have that praise for one player and have not have the praise for another player. We've already hounded somebody like uh, David Turnbull out of the club because, in my opinion, his face just doesn't fit. And I worry that we're going to do the same with Lewis Palma. I would really like to know from anybody in the comments or anybody who's watching this afterwards, anybody on Twitter who follows me there, please explain to me why Lewis Palma gets the absolute tanking that he does from some people while people like Maeda and certain others get away with it scot-free even though they're providing about as little um as as other uh, as as they are like Maeda's Maeda's work rate cannot be denied but there's only so much of that that you can st- st- like statistically show is effective. And there's an argument to say, if, if Maeda's that good in terms of work rate and tackling and tracking back, put him at right back. Put him at left back. We're already screaming out for those players. If he's as poor going forward as he is, as we know he is, then put him at left or right back. Lewis Palma is showing that he's a more effective attacker and yet he's getting all of this um, crap off people, and I don't really understand it. I think personally that amongst the Celtic support, for whatever reason, uh, I wouldn't like to go into the reasons why, there are some players whose face fits, and there are some players whose face doesn't fit. And... Unfortunately for Luis Palma, he's found himself in a position where it's obvious that he is not deemed to be up to some sort of standard that people are holding that I can't quantify. When in actual fact, the statistics would suggest that he is, he's not doing as much as he possibly could do and he certainly could be better. But he's better than other players who are getting far more praise than he does. And it frustrates the life out of me. We're going to lose more players than we than we bring in if we continue to have this favouritism for certain players over others for reasons that can't be quantified. And I just hope that as time goes on, we will learn how to how to be a bit fairer about that. Maybe the stats are the thing that are going to save that for us. Maybe the stats are the thing that are going to make us fairer about people. I really hope they are 
because if they aren't, then we're we're in a bit of bother, really. So that's my little rant about um Lewis Palmover, and I hope I hope you understand when I'm talking about it that I, I'm not. The the Maeda thing is is good for me on two counts. One, he's just a player that always frustrates me, and two, uh, he's a good comparison to have with Palma because they play such similar positions. Again, I'm going to say this, but they're not similar players. But it's not a personal vendetta against any individual player. He just happens to be a good one to um to compare. But you could do it across the pitch. And you could do it about multiple players. Um, I'm just looking at... Oh, my God. 24 years old, born on the 17th of January 2000, Lewis Palmer. That is That makes me feel ancient. Um, so I've talked about some of the, the news this week. As I'm recording this early, uh, as a pre-record to go out later on tonight... Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to any of the pre-match press conferences from the manager or or anybody like that. To be honest, I think I've heard enough from the manager up till till now. I said earlier that I would talk a little bit about the the little conversation between him and Neil Lennon from a couple of weeks ago. I thought it was a bit self-righteous from the pair of them to kind of pat each other on the back about the supposed standards that they've set. Brendan Rodgers did set very high standards when he first came. He won every trophy in sight and um, you could potentially say that over a certain period of time he was the most successful domestic manager we've ever had. Neil Lennon has had success, but I think you could argue his success was mostly built on having no strong opposition. That's as much as I'm willing to say about the pair of them at the moment. As far as their past successes are, con- uh, successes are concerned. But what really annoyed me about that conversation was it was so dismissive of Celtic supporters at large and what our concerns are. We are concerned because we can see a situation in which that kind of attitude is prevailing throughout the club. That kind of, well, you've had enough success. You've had enough to prove that what we're doing is the right thing. And I think they need to take on board that for Celtic supporters, it's all in the context of our success that we want more success. We can see when the team is dipping. We can see when the resources are not being put in to maintain the levels that we have in some ways come to expect, but certainly always demand. And to see two people who like to take the praise when it's there for some of that success, to see them write off the concerns of the supporters frustrated me beyond belief. Beyond belief. And kind of proved that if that's the kind of conversations they're willing to have in front of a television camera, what are they saying about supporters behind closed doors? They obviously think we're entitled... They obviously think that there is no basis in which we should be concerned about the club because of recent successes. And they obviously think that we ha- there is no point to what we're saying. Now, they may well be correct about some of that. They may well be correct about some of that. 
But my point is, you have to, you have to take on board what people are saying when there's it's being said in the volume it's being said in. And I think that what concerns me is, I would like to sit here and say that the board are going to regret not listening to the fans when we don't qualify for the Champions League. I'm not even sure they're bothered. If they if they still continue to make enough money and they have a profit, a balance sheet that shows profits of rumored to be ninety million at this point, and they all get their wee bonus out of it, and we keep paying hundreds of pounds a season for merchandise or season tickets or whatever it whatever way it is that we choose to support the club, they're not going to care because they know we're going to come back and keep doing it. And that conversation between Neil Lennon and Brendan Rodgers was just a small sort of microcosm of a wider attitude that I think prevails within the club. And I was so shocked to see it. I wasn't shocked from Neil Lennon because we all know the kind of things that he said towards the end of his his initial reign. But I was kind of shocked from from Brendan Rodgers' point of view because I think he's usually a bit more measured than that. And I don't know if he was just caught up in the moment or whatever but it did seem a little bit like a conversation that they were almost acting as if wasn't getting recorded it was weird it was weird um but we'll look ahead to the the motherwell match before we we finish up for today um motherwell away at fur park i think it's a lunchtime kickoff on sunday um i am concerned about it I'm concerned about it because we have not been playing to our usual standard. And also because Motherwell, although they've had a couple of rocky patches, have had a better recent part of the season than than start of the season. Yes, they're ninth, but I think they're probably one of the teams in the league that are maybe a bit better than their position would suggest. I mean, a lot of people would say you can't be better than your position suggests your position is your position. I get that. But I am concerned. The main concern I have about the team is the defence. Scales and Welsh have shown that they are not a good partnership. Burnaby, if Taylor can't do 90 minutes this, this week, then Burnaby is going to need to have his contribution minimised to the smallest possible amount. Because I think everybody would agree that he was... If not the only reason, certainly one of the main reasons for the concession of that goal against Kilmarnock on Sunday. Uh, or, or at the weekend, sorry. I think that is where the majority of our problems lie in terms of how vulnerable we are to other teams. They know they can get at the left-back position. They know that Scales isn't a, a, a centre-back by trade. They know that Welsh is in and out of the team and injury-prone. And they know that Ralston isn't first choice. So if that defence plays again, then I will be very, very worried about the outcome of that match. Mother will have goal scorers. Mother will have players who, who've played in the league for a long time and are, are experienced and will know how to get at these players. And I, I would be concerned if I see that back four out. If Taylor and Johnston are back, even though neither of them have had fantastic seasons... I would feel better as far as that's concerned. And let's talk a little bit about Mike Navrocki. 
some people say he's brought as a he's bought as a project signing or he wasn't bought as a first choice he was bought in as a body and blah 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 five million euros we paid for that guy Celtic are not in a league where or in a, a finance well we are in a financial standing where we could afford to spend five million euros on somebody who becomes a squad player but in terms of tradition in terms of our place in, in Europe we're not in a position where we would routinely go out and spend five million euros on a player for them not to kick a ball and you cannot tell me that from the performances that we've seen from players in the last uh, month or so that Mike Navrocki is any worse than anything we have. Some people will say he was at fault for the Miofsky goal uh, against Aberdeen. I contest that. I think your problem there was a certain Mr. Liam Scales being completely out of position and leaving Navrocki completely exposed. You can have your opinion on that one way or the other. That's my opinion on it. But even if he was at fault for that goal, there are Celtic players in that team who are continuing to get a game who've made bigger mistakes than that this season. I think he is... Something's going on there that I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's been forced upon Brendan and Brendan's pride is saying... We don't want him in the, I'm not going to pick him because it'll mean that I'm caving in or whatever. But surely, if you can look at the players' performances on the park, you have to admit that is is he going to be any worse than anybody else? I can't. I can't honestly see how that would be the case. It came from I think League of Warsaw who. Are in Europe pretty frequently, are a good team, are a good club. Um you don't play for a club like that without having some form of football and ability, and I, I just don't understand it. So I that being said, obviously I want Joe Hart and goals. Ideally I want Johnston and Taylor. And I want Navrocki. Um and assuming Carter Vickers isn't back, probably do you know what? I think I'd rather have Welsh than Scales. So that would be my back four would be uh, Johnston, Navrocki, Welsh and um, Taylor. Looking at the midfield, it's a difficult one because I would be reluctant in any case to say drop Callum McGregor because I actually think he's one of the only guys who is trying to maintain a standard. I think what's unfortunate is he's trying to maintain a standard but can no longer maybe show that on the pitch. I think all those years of, of football are finally catching up with him and I think he's in a position where he's trying to impress on these newer, younger players. You need to keep up a certain standard at Celtic. You need to play a certain way. People expect such and such of you. And in years gone by, he would have been able to say, this is how you do it. But now he's um in a position where he can't uh it'll be do as I say, not as I do, kind of thing. And it's a shame for him. But time waits for no man, as as Joe Hart said in his um interview announcing his retirement. And and Callum McGregor's no different as far as that's concerned. You can't play for the length of time, for the amount of time and with the intensity that Callum McGregor 
has done over these years and maintain that well into your 30s. It was a concern we all had when he got the length of contract he got. I'm not um, saying he didn't deserve that contract. He absolutely did for the service he's, he's given to the club and for the um, trophies he's won for us. He, he deserved a reward of some kind. But I am concerned that if this is the way he's playing this season, it's only going to go downward from now on. And... Um, I'm not going to say drop him for this game, but I think there needs to be serious questions asked about whether he maintains a place, a starting berth in the team going into next season, that's for sure. Um, Matt O'Reilly, one of those players whose face is fits, as we were talking about earlier in the in the podcast. I don't think he's had half the criticism he should have got. Um, and it's because of... Ah, what a handsome lad and this and that he's been utter tripe for about four matches now and um, he really needs to pick up on his performances whether his head's been turned by the interest from Inter Milan and Atletico Madrid or not the fact of the matter is he was told and he agreed to stay at the club and if he's done that then he needs to uh he needs to give his all because six months is quite a long time in football. If he continues to put in performances like this, those clubs are not going to come back in the summer. They're going to see what's happened to him. They're going to question his attitude and they're going to say, actually, I don't think this guy's worth it. So I hope he picks up his performances in due course because it's really something that he's going to need to try and do. Um... So that's O'Reilly and McGregor covered. I wouldn't drop either of them, but they definitely do need to, to up their game. I quite like Kyogo in that deeper position. Quite like him in the kind of number 10 position. I went over last week why I like him in that position. Uh, I think he's got football intelligence that a lot of people don't have. I think he can drop into spaces, make runs and find other people's runs or make passes that entice more intelligent runs out of people I really like him in that position and so I would keep him there because I think he's our best option at creating um Lewis Palma I'm not going to sit here and praise him the way I have and then say he shouldn't be in the team so I would keep him wide left I would put Maeda wide right even though I don't think he's very effective there but I think we're going to need somebody to work hard defensively from those front positions uh against Motherwell, especially the fact that we're away from home and so Maida would stay in and Ida, I would keep up top I think he's doing all the right things I think he's keeping the the ball up top for us in a way that we've struggled to do so far this season I think he's showing a willingness and a desire that some other players in the squad could learn from I just think he needs to find these shooting boots a little bit. I know he's got the two goals from the two penalties and God knows we love a penalty taker because we don't seem to have them. But I think it would do his confidence a world of good to get an, an outfield goal. I would have loved to have it to come at Celtic Park last week, not just because we needed it, but also because uh, he just... It would have been good for him to get off the mark at Celtic Park. But if he gets off the mark at Motherwell, I'll equally take that <coughs> so that would be my my team it would be 
Joe Hart in goal, Taylor, Welsh, Navrocki, uh, Johnston, McGregor, O'Reilly, Kyogo, Palma, Maeda, Ida uh, up top. The fact that we're not even considering the likes of O, the likes of Thiago Holm, the likes of Iwata, the likes of Bernardo just shows you where this squad is at. It's an utter, utter mess. We're struggling to put together an 11, never mind a matchday squad. And there are some players who are just never going to feature in a Celtics shirt in a month of Sundays, unfortunately. With all that being said, I will be doing exactly what I always say I will do and I'll encourage you to do the same. I will be supporting Celtic with every ounce of my being on Sunday. Because regardless of what's going on on or off the pitch, they are a team very close to all of our hearts and a team that we want nothing but success for. It doesn't matter what's been going on. When they hit that 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 pitch at the weekend, you support them with every ounce of your being, never mind whether you rate a player or not. And I think we're all the same as that. Um, thanks very much, everybody, for watching. I've really, really enjoyed uh, recording this today. Um, and getting some of my thoughts out there. Please let me know your comments underneath or on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, this has been Thoughts in the Hoops with me, Laura Bradburn, and I will see you again next week.